Well, good morning, Christ Church. Happy Easter to you. Now, before I get into a discussion of the scripture passages that are before us today, let me say this, that I don't know how it is that my official visitation got scheduled at a time that I have to follow the folks who have been in this pulpit lately. <laughs> but I think I need to get a little better handle on my calendar. I was worried enough when I found out that I was going to have to preach here just a few weeks after my former boss, Michael Curry, the presiding bishop, but I hear that Catherine Meeks was with you all last week. <laughs> What's up with that? Lord have mercy. Trust me, this is an awe-inspiring place to be. It's also just a little bit intimidating. I was, I was told just a few weeks ago that uh, at y'all's 200th anniversary celebration back in 1973, the then presiding bishop, John Hines, stood here and preached in this very pulpit. I understand at that event, Bishop Hines's luggage got lost and he showed up without any of his vestments. So he had ended up borrowing some things from your then rector, uh, Bill Sidner, is that right, Bill Sidner? And as I understand it, that uh, the Reverend Sidner was a significantly taller man than was <laughs> the presiding bishop. The story I was told that uh, presiding bishop Hines observed from the pulpit that the much taller rector of Christ Church could fill the robes of the presiding bishop, but that the presiding bishop could not fill the robes <laughs> of the rector of Christ Church. And metaphorically speaking, I think the current Bishop of Virginia has a hard time filling the robes of those who have come before him to this place, including your current rector, who is just simply wonderful. So here goes. I begin with this story. And I'll say in advance, it's okay to laugh with your bishop, even when he tells dad jokes, okay? <laughs> there was once this farmer who wanted to impress his hunting buddies, so he bought the smartest, most expensive hunting dog that he could find. He trained this dog to do things that no other dog on earth could do. Impossible, awe-inspiring feats that would surely amaze anyone. Then he invited his friends to go duck hunting with him. And after a long, patient wait in the boat, a group of ducks flew over and the hunters were able to make a few hits and several ducks fell to the water. The proud owner of that magnificent dog shouted, go get him. And the dog leaped out of the boat, walked across the water, <laughs> picked up a bird and returned to the boat. And as soon as he dropped that duck in the boat, he trotted off across the top of the water again and grabbed another duck and another duck and brought them all back to the boat. And the owner beamed with pride as his wonderful dog walked on the water and retrieved each of the birds. And unable to resist the opportunity to brag a bit, he asked his fellow hunters, do you notice anything unusual about my dog? And one of them rubbed his chin thoughtfully and said, yes, you know, come to think of it, I do. That poor dog does not know how to swim, does he? <laughs> it is a terrible thing in life to not to be able to embrace the awesome, isn't it? From our reading from the Acts of the Apostles today, and awe came upon everyone because of the many wonders and signs being done. What a great line, and awe came upon everyone. 
as we make our way through the Easter season, a time that reminds us of that most awesome thing that God did for us all on a hill outside of Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. As we make our way through Easter, we arrive at this fourth Sunday of the season and are presented with a breadth and depth of scripture that remind us that our God, our God is an awesome God. We hear in the Acts of the Apostles this morning tales from the earliest days of the joy-filled church. Peter has only recently delivered his sermon at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit has descended and empowered and invigorated the Christian disciples. The resurrected Jesus was held out before all who would stand still long enough to hear about him. And the sounds and the sermons and the teachings echoed into the cracks of a culture that was hungry for the tale of love that was shouted in the streets. The needs of the poor were addressed. The circle of what was considered family was widened. And there was a sense that God was present in a powerful, awesome way. There was energy and community and joy and miraculous happenings as the faithful came together to worship, to sing, to tell tales of the one true and awesome God. But then we hear in the first letter of Peter about more troubling times in the church. Several decades had passed since those early days in Jerusalem, those days written about in Acts chapter 2. The followers of Jesus, by the time of the writing of the first letter of Peter, the followers of Jesus were in the midst of a time of great persecution. It was no longer fashionable to be a disciple. In fact, it was, it was downright dangerous to be one. Energy was low. Trust was fleeting. The future was uncertain. The, the present was uncertain. It was a dark, dark time. The light seemed to be gone. I'm reminded of the story of the rather battered prize fighter who heard his trainer say between rounds, champ, you're doing great. He ain't laid a glove on you. And the champ says, well, you better keep an eye on the referee then because somebody in this ring is beating the daylights out of me. <laughs> you ever feel like that? I know I do. And that was how the community of the faithful felt. That daylight was being beaten out of them. They had worked long and hard to advance the gospel, but now, now they, were, they were burned out. None of the things that had led to the persecution, the change of fortune, none of those things had been their fault. You might say they had come face to face with the pandemic of their time. A mixture of politics and judgment, actions outside of their control that led to the faithful of Christ being pushed into the shadows. Yet still, still, in the midst of all of that, St. Peter reminds the church that peace and comfort is to be found in following the one true and awesome God. Peter pulled back the darkness by reminding the community, by reminding us that, that God always sees our troubles, that Jesus had lived in our darknesses, that he had shown them the meaning of life by his sacrificial death, that love always, always, always reaches into the darkness and conquers everything because our God is an awesome God. And then in John chapter 10, we, we always read a section from John 10 on the fourth Sunday of Easter. In John 10, we hear our Lord himself 
use the simple imagery of shepherding, the simple imagery of shepherding to proclaim to all creation that he is ours and we are his. Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles at the time of this teaching, which was a very popular eight-day holiday. So the city was packed. He had just healed a man who had been born blind. And, and, and Jesus, well, he finds himself in a heated discussion with a group of Pharisees. And as is often the case, Jesus makes his point by using examples from the everyday lives of his hearers. In this case, he talks about sheep and sheep pens and the role of the shepherd. Jesus reminds his listeners, he reminds us today, that he knows that there is trouble in the world, that there is evil in the world. He knows that there are those who would cause pain, who would sow hatred, and who would inflame jealousy, all to tear apart the followers of God. Jesus knows that there is sickness. He knows that there is fear of what will come tomorrow. He knows that there is fear of today. And yet, and yet Jesus is not simply the shepherd who speaks, who calms, who calls, who answers. Jesus is not simply those things, although he is those things. Jesus, Jesus proclaims that he is the gate, the door, the protector the guardian against all anxiety and trouble and fear. He is the guardian even against the finality of death. Jesus is the sound of triumph that rings from an empty tomb. And Jesus, in him, as we sing in a well-known hymn, in him there is no darkness at all. In him there is the sound of joy and the light of life. There is present and there is future. Jesus is the good shepherd, and that is awesome. I just returned a few days ago from a trip to Liverpool, England. I was there for the seating of their new bishop, John Parambolaf. Uh, bishop John's a truly fascinating uh, man of God. I've invited him actually come, to come to Virginia for our convention in November. We're working out the details. Uh, if he can come, you'll all get a chance to meet him. As you may know, the Diocese of Virginia is in a partnership with the Diocese of Liverpool and the Diocese of Kumasi in Ghana, a, par a partnership known as the Triangle of Hope. This is a life-changing ministry that is dedicated to transforming the long history and ongoing effects of slavery in our world through repentance, reconciliation, and mission. It's all about shining light into the darkness. It is a reclaiming through truth-telling and pilgrimage. It is a reclaiming of the triangle of trade between these three areas. Liverpool, where the ships were built. Ghana, where human beings were enslaved. Virginia, where they were sold and the prophets then sent back to Liverpool to continue this cycle over and over again. These three areas that were a central, very dark part of the transatlantic slave trade from the 16th to the 19th centuries. This truth-telling and reclaiming is an incredibly important work, and I am thankful that we are a part of shining light on it. Now, while I was in the cathedral in Liverpool for the liturgy, now the cathedral there is this huge stone edifice on a scale that's really indescribable. It's the largest cathedral in Britain. By volume, it is nearly 25% larger than our own national cathedral. And while I was there, I was struck by the effect of light 
and sound on our worship. The building has all manner of nooks and crannies, so no matter where one stands, there are always places that are not quite visible in the shadows, and there are always movements in and out of them. And unless a speaker pauses for a very, very long time between words or phrases, there is a constant echo reverberating in that holy space. It is, it is as if the voices of eternity are speaking all at once as the name of Jesus is invoked, or the stories are recounted, or as the love of God is proclaimed. And I cannot help but think that this is how the awesomeness of God plays out in my life, perhaps in all of our lives, that there is light, that there is shadow. There are things said, and there are echoes that go on for generations. Sometimes we, sometimes we see clearly what we are to do, while other times we struggle to see. How do we get back to the good times? How do we live into the new ones? How do we see into and through the shadows of illness, or senseless violence, or family disputes? There are times where, the, where there is energy and a, and a clear purpose, and there are times when we are just trying to figure it all out. There are times it just seems dark. But Jesus, but Jesus, the good shepherd, our awesome God is always there, guarding the gate, keeping the true darkness from overtaking us, and bringing the light of love to center stage. And still there are the sounds, sometimes Sometimes we, we feel alone in the silence of grief or even in the roar of fear. We long to hear the voice of a departed friend or loved one. We, we want to block out the noise of a culture of hate. But Jesus, Jesus the Good Shepherd, is constantly speaking our name, constantly speaking our name over and over and over again. He never stops. Just as God spoke us into existence when we were created, and breathes life for us for eternity. And that voice of the incarnate Son of God speaking our name and the names of all the children of God throughout all time, that voice of God reverberates through time and wraps us in an eternal echo and song of love. In Christ, there is no darkness at all. In Christ, there is no darkness more powerful than his light. In Christ, there is no sound more compelling than his voice. In Christ, there is awe. In Jesus, the Good Shepherd, we are clothed in robes of love that are tailored to perfection for each one of us. We all fit in his embrace perfectly because our God, the shepherd and guardian of our soul, is an awesome God. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost.